Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. Guess what I have in my office right now? Do you have a beat? <laughs> Yellow jacket. <laughs> it is no. hornet and wasp season. People, you know. At my healthy home. <laughs> yeah, no, this is not starting again. This is like May. <laughs> oh, this is awesome, and this is making the radio show. I love this. This is awesome. We are now dealing with... Your building, probably, and I know you don't own this building, but seems to be that you guys, seems to be, seems, get it? Ah, seems to. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. This is your home improvement source every single week. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, Caroline. Are you ready to take it outside today? I am. I am. Hello, everybody. How are you today? How's everybody doing this week? I'm feeling like I'm getting ready for spring, which means painting what? projects spring can is occur here. outside, right? <laughs> spring is here. Where have you been? Oh, well, like <laughs> we were having frost last week, which is not exterior painting weather, if you know what I mean. No. And we've had weeks of rain. Well, in our area, I think they said the last frost date is like the 17th of May. So, I mean, if you're a gardener too, painting and gardening kind of go together. That's a good point. So today, everybody, we're going to be talking about our top 10 secrets and tips to exterior painting for painting that house, painting that garage, diving into that exterior painting project. And the first tip that I want to give that's not on the 10 but it's just an overall theme of this is it's all about that prep. Oh, big paint time. does not cover problems. <laughs> big time. If you've got a problem, you, you got to sort uh, it out. Yeah. If you've got peeling paint, checking paint, caulking's not right, whatever. You can't just paint it. You got to prep it all first. So take the time, do the prep. That way the, paint doesn't fall off the house or or last a year or two and it looks like somebody just came in and uh painted it or, and did a blow and go and two years later you got to pa paint the house again that's a horrible idea i had this painter who was amazing and rest god rest his soul he passed on but this man i had a foundation that was cement eric so like mm -hmm. every year i'd be scraping the paint and then repainting the cement and there was moisture there and temperature change and all the things that makes your paint bubble up. I don't know what he did, but he has painted, he painted this area. So it's, you know, it's your foundation around your, mm -hmm. your home. In the last, I don't know, seven years, I've never had to repaint it after he did it. And he was just an amazing, amazing painter. So it just shows and you that, that if you do it right, right. It's one of our numbers farther up the list. <gasps> Oops, I gave it away. So we'll Sorry. talk about that. Hold that thought because this is a good one. <laughs> So the first one I want to talk about 
which is an obvious one to me. We've talked about it in the show before, but paint plus primer does not equal primer. Mm. When you go to the home improvement store and you grab that, hey, it's paint and primer in one. Mm, not really. If you've got raw wood, metal, whatever, or drywall or whatever you're trying to do, buy the right primer for the job. But paint plus primer is a wonderful marketing tool saying you don't have to buy primer, but guess what? You still got to buy primer. I find that if you're doing a project where I've got a pretty light color tone and I'm going over it, I can get away with doing the all-in-one. But if I'm going to drastically change color or I've got spackling or major things to do, there's no getting around the primer. It's It helps cover. There's no question it's a little bit better on that. You get a little bit less bleed through but it still does not take the place of primer on the job site. So that's the first one right there that I want everybody to think about that misconception because you really need to buy that primer and, you know, you might just need to get the right paint to go with that as well. So make sure you get those things matching together. Now, the next one is one of the things that goes fairly quickly, but it's probably one of the most important things on the prep side of things and that's all the caulking around the doors, windows, siding, wherever that you need to caulk. Use a good quality caulking. Do you have a brand you like or a type you like? You know, um, I've liked a lot of the urethanes in the past, but one of my favorites now is made by Sashco. You know, we had them on the show last uh, early in the spring, and those guys make a caulking that is paintable, so it's not like a silicone that's not. And it stretches and expands and contracts better than all the other caulkings. So I like like their big flex caulking for painting projects. Go around, use it. It really makes a huge difference that you've got something that, you know, really stands up. Now, be careful going across some types of siding. Do the research on the type of siding you have. Because some of the hardy planks and stuff now don't want you... Mm-hmm. to caulk between the boards. They want to let right. that expand and contract. So make sure that you're caulking around the doors and windows and things like that, but also make sure that you're not caulking places that need movement and don't want that hole filled up for expansion and contraction. That's a key right there. So do your research on the kind of siding that you have to make sure that you're doing yourself a favor and not causing damage down the road. Yeah. I have to say like, you know, I have a cedar sided house and I found that the places where I did try to caulk, it was always a more of an issue. So I tried to avoid it. I liked the breathability a little bit more. And one of the things too that I that I liked that was kind of interesting, and this came out of our conversation with with Shashko, was that having a little bit of a clear space there is actually better than having that trim super tight and trying to fill in that that caulking because with caulking, because a little bit of a gap in there leaves you space to get the caulking in there. And there's enough material that's now allowed to stretch. Mm. So if you have just like a little bit of a 64th of an inch, just like less than a credit card, and you caulk that, if that expands out to a quarter inch, you know, you're going four times, you know, as much out there to get, you've got to stretch that caulking way farther. So having a little bit bigger gap to actually be able to caulk it is not a bad thing. So too tight around the trim and siding can be harder to keep caulking there than if there was a little bit of space so you could 
weatherproof it correctly. I'm going to give my two favorite brands. So I like the AFM. Okay. AFM makes a safe coat, um, mm-hmm. soft uh, caulking compound, which I like. So for people who are yeah. looking for low VOC or no VOC, we like to give them an option. Mm-hmm. And the other company that I like is Chemlink. Now, Chemlink, you have to be careful because it can be a silicone caulk, which obviously you don't want to use, right? Because you can't paint over it. You're going to have a little issue. But they make make different ones. But I like both of them are really odor-free. So if you have anybody in the house or, you know, you're susceptible to that kind of thing, you can use these. And both products are great. Yeah, I don't worry so much personally about odor outside because I'm kind of moving around. You know, if I deal with odor, it's, it's for the hour or two that I'm touching up caulking around the outside of the house, if you know what I mean. Yeah, if you're outside, definitely. But if you're inside, yeah. either either one of these will work great as well. So indoor, outdoor, exterior, or interior. There you go. And don't just go buy that, you know, $2 tube of whatever brand painters call. Get the no. right caulking for the job. Mm-mm. That'll make a huge difference. It's not like you're doing it inside where you're caulking moldings and stuff where it's not as big a deal. Outside, it's got to be able to put up and deal with that. So it'll, it'll actually move and, and deal with all the weather that you have. Maybe it's 120 in the summer and you only are into the fifties in the, in the, in the winter time, or maybe you're in the minus 25 in the winter and you're in the seventies and eighties. Either way, you've got a huge swing, which means all of those things are expanding and contracting, which means you need to have the right material there to be able to weatherproof that and keep that moisture and water from coming in and bugs and pests and everything else from getting into your house. Why, before we go on to this, are you a yay or nay on pressure washing your exterior siding prior to painting? I think you can do it from standing back and coming down on the house and standing way back from it and not getting close. The chance of you doing damage, not knowing what you're doing with a pressure washer is probably greater than the benefit that you're going to do with the pressure washer. All right, we come back. We've got so many more painting tips. We'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. Should I be allowed to be so hot? Welcome back to the Around the House show. Caroline and I have been talking exterior painting today. And Caroline, this next one is so in your wheelhouse. Hmm. Always take a look for lead and asbestos if you have an older house, because both of those can be a problem. The funky shingle. If you've got the funky looking shingle, you probably have asbestos. You know, and I'll be honest, (laughs) I have no problem with asbestos siding. Because you're not disturbing it as long as you keep it painted and it's not breaking apart and getting into the airflow. You're good. But it's when it starts to degrade then you got an issue. If you've got beautiful asbestos siding on the outside of the house and it just needs a color change or a fresh paint and it's not peeling and getting messy, which traditionally doesn't really peel off that asbestos because it bonds to it so well. But if you've got that, I'll be honest, I say leave it. And uh, it's not hurting you out there if it's it's fully encapsulated with paint. And you're not going to find a siding that's more durable than that. I mean, geesh. You burn the house down and you got a pile of siding around the outside of the house. It's still there. You're not going to hurt it. Mm. So that's my thing. Now, lead paint. Homes built before 1978. You should be testing those 
before you do sanding and things like that on it. If you're doing a little tiny area, I think it's still smart to test it. You could buy those little 3M lead test kits at your paint store and home improvement center, but check around the house to see if you've got lead paint there because it's funny. It's the good paint that you bought in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Not so much 70s, 60s, we'll say, that had Mm -hmm. the paint, the lead in it because the lead was the durability option for paint back then. The biggest issue I see with lead and I see a lot, a lot, you'll have older homes and a lot of people will hire contractors who may not be legitimate. Mm-hmm. And you see them up there on a ladder, scraping away at these homes that are older, that definitively have lead paint. And yep. this becomes a hazard because not only are the workers breathing it in, you start breathing it in. And if you've ever been chipping paint or you've been um, sanding these areas, you see how it just, it's this fine dust that gets everywhere. So you'll have it inside the house. You'll have it outside. Just because you're doing an outside project doesn't mean it doesn't make its way in. The windows aren't hermetically sealed. So, um, you know, it puts a lot of people at danger. So if you have an older home, you need to have it tested and take the right precautions. You know, if you're going to do this, then you wear a respirator. You do things to make sure that you are safe and, you know, you're not exposing yourself to anything unnecessarily. Here's the problem I saw. And I saw this happen to a house in Seattle, Washington, when I was living up there. So this would have been 10 years ago. Lady came in, bought the house, needed a paint job on it, had a painting company come in. They did not follow the EPA rules for Mm -hmm. lead paint. So they scraped it, got all the peeling (laughs) paint off. And the neighbor at about day three of the project called the EPA and they showed up. Yep. Not only did the painter get a $100,000 fine, some of the paint chips hit the ground. There was not plastic on the ground to collect them. Mm -hmm. They ended up over in the neighbor's yard. So they had to go in there and dig up the first six inches of topsoil and haul it off Mm -hmm. to a landfill. And it was a big, big problem because that was now hazardous materials. They had to come in, put it all back in, re-landscape it, and certify it clean on top of the $100,000 fine. It was brutal by just not following basic steps. And I mean, it's not that difficult. And most houses, you can assume that they will have it, especially if the windows are older and they're in that you know, generation of, I'd say 1950s, 1960s, 1930s. I mean, these houses have lead. There's no, it's, you know, they yeah. just do. So you, you need know, to take funny. precautions. So I was talking to handyman Bob, who, uh, you know, used to uh, be my co-host on this show years ago. And this Hi, was handyman interesting. Bob. Yeah. Handyman Hi. Bob. Awesome. <laughs> Love the guy. We were talking and, you know, he has a lead paint asbestos testing company. And he said, it's very interesting, and I've talked to people about it, that neighborhood paint stores, depending on the neighborhood, you will see in a city areas where they have higher levels of lead paint. Like if you've got a neighborhood that was maybe lower income back in the day when they're using lead paint and they weren't pushing lead paint at the paint store, Mm -hmm. you didn't see a lot of it. But if you had a higher income neighborhood, you had guys that were in there that were like, you need to buy this extra special, extra durable paint, (laughs) and they were selling it, you'll have a lot more lead paint. Now, the other thing is, too, is we're seeing less and less lead paint out there because, you know, the farther we get out of the 70s where they stopped using lead paint, 
they really stopped in the early 70s, but 78 was the year that they were like, you can't have it, period. Now you look at it and say, okay, it's got 30 years of paint jobs over the top of it. Mm. So you're seeing a lot less of it now than you did maybe even 10 years ago. So it was a luxury to have lead paint. Just like like it was a luxury to have asbestos flooring. Mm. Interesting. So that's one of the keys. So that's, that's a good, I don't do a whole show on asbestos and lead, but that's one of those things that you just need to be careful with. Now, here's the next one. This is a big one here. When you're priming, use the right primer. Because you can walk into a paint store and find five or six different primers that are made for five or six different situations. And you want to use the right one for your situation. I always use like, well, I guess it depends. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about painting wood. So I usually use like just the basic, like say Ben Moore makes a primer, right? I'm using yep. that for my wood, yep. but I'm not going over anything really crazy. I'm not going over an oil base. I'm not going over, I'm not using on cement. Mm-hmm. So when would you need a specialized primer? Well, it depends. You know, like if you've got a, uh, a, a raw wood, like you've got raw wood siding or something you're going to do, I would tend to use a oil-based primer that's going to soak in. I like that personally for that because it soaks in, it uses paint thinner. You just get a killer bond with that. It's harder to clean up. But for me, I like it because it ends up being a tougher exterior surface. Now there are, you know, latex primers. It'll do great. But to me, they still haven't got that same durability on the primer side. Now there's also different primers out there that go on like water, you know, where it's really thin. And then there's mm-hmm. stuff that goes on. I've got one from uh, from Miller Paint, which is a Northwest paint company here that have been around for about 140 years. They have one one paint one primer that is basically like yogurt. It's that thick, and so it I'm builds trying, really well. I'm trying to remember the primer you recommended. Remember when um, somebody we one of my clients got a door door delivery. Mm-hmm. And they had, uh, they had sealed, they'd put something on the door, remember, and they couldn't paint it. And you recommended it was excellent. This worked fantastic. It went over everything. They're a, they're a peel stop. So you knock the peel off basically of what's peeled and then you spray over it. And this stuff is really cool. I've used this, I think it was a Sherwin Williams product I used on a house in Seattle that I was working on that the, I mean, there were dinner plate sized pieces coming off the side of this old 1920s house. No lead paint in it. It just was cedar siding and the and the moisture got behind it. It was pushing it off the wood. So this stuff, I went on and you primed the areas first where the peeling was. And it, this stuff actually built up. So it really filled it in. Now, when we come back, nice. let's talk a little bit more about this because it's an important one. We'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. Hey guys, you're listening to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. I'm Zeke Sky, and I'm going to show you how to shred it out while you're building it up. Welcome back to the Around the House show. Now, if you want to get a hold of us, make sure you head over to social media and just look for Around the House show. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. 
Twitter. We're around everywhere. You can find us anywhere you look in. If you're a Facebook person, make sure you join our closed group, which is Around the House Nation. Mm. Join up and share up your funny stuff and projects or whatever else you're working on. It is your safe place to come play. Nice. Right, Caroline? How nice is that? I like that safe place. Yeah. No bullies, anybody like that, any spammers, they get booted out the door just like a underage person at the nightclub. <laughs> I never got booted out the door. I, I didn't either, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> I, I think they're getting he? better now. I think they're getting better now. Well, hey, we're talking exterior painting today, and we talked, you know, Caroline, you started out the show talking about your uh, your former painter, rest in peace, and the peeling paint that you had at your house. And that's kind of one of the next ones on the list here, which is peeling paint tells a story. It does. But it also tells you, because my painter, Pop and Fuse, that was his name. He was awesome, <laughs> Pop and Fuse. But um, was he like a, was he like popping and dancing? And was he like a <laughs> dancing painter? I don't know. But he was a great painter. But he Richard fixed pop, the problem. Fuse. <laughs> I don't know. I had to repaint this area of the foundation constantly. And, I, you know, I wish I would have observed what he actually did because he did something and it's been seven years and, and not a bubble or a flake or anything. So with concrete like that, there's a couple different ways to go. There are specific concrete paints that are primers that work well that will go in there and do that. Um, I've also seen people uh, go in with dry lock. Mm-hmm. especially on the inside of a basement and they they do uh, a tinted dry lock on it which is again another another concrete paint so i've seen it uh pa- concrete's pretty good if you it's all in the prep again and having the right primer to do it he only used our paint so i don't think he did any of that i think he either scraped it completely down and you know maybe there was always moisture under one level of paint that you keep mm-hmm. putting paint on top of paint and maybe he really just took it all the way down to the bottom as close as you could and presto, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. And let's talk about what paint peeling stories they can tell. You know, you will have a house that it's crazy. You'll go by and go, wow, there's like dinner plate size pieces coming <laughs> off. And usually that's moisture coming through mm-hmm. and pushing it off the wood. When you have bare wood, it's usually moisture coming in behind it and pushing it off and it's releasing what was on there before. And now it's, you know, on the ground. That's a big problem right there that you should start taking a look at and see where that moisture is coming from. And it could come from the inside. It could come from the inside of your building if your humidity is too high inside or it could come mm -hmm. from the outside or it could come from water intrusion that's getting down between your, your exterior, you know, your building envelope. So it's getting down in your plywood from a roof leak, a window leak, all that good stuff. When you see water damage, it's not always in the area that the damage is, right? It ends up, it it can come down from the window and end up, you know, down in your paint somewhere. Now the next issue it could be is an adhesion problem. So let's say you had really good oil-based paint on there, nobody primed and they'd put latex right over the top of it. And usually when you see that, you can go through there with a hose or a pressure washer, and you're literally washing chunks of cured paint off the side of the building. Nice. So that's another way to go with that as well. And then you can have other things too. You can have other contaminants that were on there. Maybe somebody didn't do the prep work right, but nonetheless, you really want to get down into a good base coat down there or use some of the uh, proper coatings that have in primers, like we talked about earlier, 
that are meant to spray over peeling paint, they're going to do a better job of kind of tying that all together and giving you a better base coat below. Do you ever sand? I mean, is that a recommendation? I mean, for sanding mm-hmm. windows, exterior, siding, I mean, obviously not vinyl, not cement board, but is that ever an option? Yeah, if I'm dealing with wood and I'm dealing with paint and I'm dealing with areas where I've had, you know, like let's say it's a 1920s house. There's no lead paint there and I've got multiple layers of peeling paint. Yeah, I'd like to feather that out around there when I get, when I get that. Uh, to me, that seems to be a better move than just trying to build up and fill in that area. Exactly. But uh, there are you know, a lot of the painter's tricks out there. They will go through with that with that literally a filler, super thick paint, and they'll spray it over that area. Yeah. And it just kind of just fades it in, so you really can't see where those areas where that paint literally fell off the side of the house. The good painters that I've seen or that I've worked with usually spend a day or two prepping, and that's scraping, you know, doing a little sanding, making sure that they're caulking in the appropriate places before they ever start painting. The prep takes exactly. a, a good amount of time. I uh, It always takes me, and I'm not a professional painter, but the prep work always takes me longer than the actual painting when I'm spraying a house. Mm-hmm. And that's about, if, if you're doing that right, then you're probably, you know, in the right spot. So here's the next one. When you're out there spraying a house, I want to see you on the outside. I want to see you back rolling it. And the same thing is on the inside of the house. If you spray... You back roll behind it. So that way you get it to lay out correctly. And then it gives you the better adhesion with the surface below it because you're now pushing that in and evening out those areas where you've spread. Hmm. So for me, that's an important part of painting. And to be honest, if you see a painter on your house or the neighbor's house not back rolling it, that's a level of concern for me. I want to find out why they're not back rolling it, what their argument is. Many times they're just doing it because they're just trying to blow and go. They're going to blow it on the side of the house, Mm. walk away, and you'll get, you can, it can cut your lifespan on that paint job down by half or more if you're not careful. So what is the, where do you, for exterior paint job, how often do you recommend painting? Depends on climate, depends on what you've got. I mean, I've seen great paint jobs last 30 plus years. I've seen great paint jobs in harsher climates last six. So that's the big part. Guess what I have in my office right now? Do you have a bee? <laughs> Yellow jacket. <laughs> it is no. hornet and wasp season. People, you know. At my healthy home. <laughs> yeah, no, this is not starting again. This is like May. <laughs> Oh, this is awesome, and this is making the radio show. I love this. This is awesome. We are now dealing with your building, probably, and I know you don't own this building, but seems to be that you guys, seems to be, seems, get it? Ah, seems to. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who weren't aware of this, but last year I ran out of recording because literally I was being attacked. <sighs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Caroline. I'm I'm just in the wasp chronicles. I'm just getting spray. I'm gonna start spraying the office. I don't know. Wow, you're gonna our healthy home experts going to the chemicals. (laughs) 
Oh my God. <laughs> That's when she's had enough. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable that we're already there. See that now we know we're talking painting season. Because it's also hey, pest season, right? And that's another thing. When you are painting, that is a big concern to watch out for. Those bushes and under shingles, oh. that's how you get mutilated with yellow jackets. Yeah, and you got to be careful. And that's why I like to do my prep early in the morning in the springtime. Because I can get up on the ladder. And if I have, you know, a hornet's yellow jacket, wasp nest up in there, I am not getting bailing off that ladder with wasps and hornets because they're running slow when it's 50 degrees outside. And I would much rather deal with it there than be up there on the ladder when it's 80 and they're much faster than I am. And you, and you just, your reaction, even if you, they're not going to sting you, you just jump back, you know, and you don't want to be on ladder doing that. I just did it here. I just jumped back. Yeah. It's watching I it. I can tell. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, here we it's go. It's in here somewhere. Oh, honey. <laughs> <laughs> back to painting all right we'll go out to break here caroline we come back we got a bunch more in the list to knock out and then uh, that'll give her a chance to go after the uh hornet wasp yellow jacket whoever's floating around her studio we'll do that just as soon as around the house returns oh my god his crime out of control around your house or business. Hey, it's Eric G with Around the House. I use Deep Sentinel, the industry's leading security system using high-speed cameras, artificial intelligence, and live guards to monitor your home or business 24-7. Live guards intervene when suspicious behavior occurs, instantly removing trespassers from the property and then engaging law enforcement when needed. Use discount code ATH for 10% off your system purchase at DeepSentinel.com. That's DeepSentinel.com. Hi everybody, I'm Arik Amin from Steven Adler's band. And you are listening to Around the House with Eric G and the beautiful Caroline. Welcome back to the Around the House show. Well, I think Caroline during the break got rid of that bee. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I don't like yellow jackets. They're nasty. This no. was like a giant one. No, that was good. That was good. Well, we got to go through a lightning round because we have okay. four more in our top 10 to knock out here. Now, Caroline, here's one of my ones that there's a lot of misconceptions out there that I want to deal with. But, you know, there's that Floetrol that you put in paint to help make it lay out and you can spray. And that's an important one to possibly not use. Because I tell you what, it is a paint additive. And many paints, when you look at it, say don't use any additives to their paint, which means you could void a warranty by pouring something in that paint. So make and sure. What that, is that supposed to do really quick? Well, I've never used it. So um, it's been a while since I used it. Like earlier sprayers, you could thin out the paint to make it easier to spray because they weren't really great at spraying older, you know, the newer latex, thicker paints. You know how the oil-based paints were a little thinner, thinner. and you know, the latex were a little thicker. Um, many times, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of paint that I have in my on my shelf that says, do not use that product with this paint, period. 
So make sure that you're reading the directions of the paint to make sure it's compatible with one of those. You might not need to do it. You might just need to get the right sprayer or the right spray tip to paint it out correctly. And make sure, of course, that you're painting in the right temperature because how you paint is going to be completely different at 60 degrees versus 90. And when you start getting above the mid-80s, it's a really bad idea to be painting paint outside, I think. That's when you get things hmm. painting too it gets too hot, so it dries too quickly. It doesn't get a chance to really soak in. It doesn't lay out, so you can leave a more matte finish because it actually dries too quickly. See, I'm learning something because I never knew, and so I always thought the hotter, the better for paint, which is not true. Yeah. You're saying there's an optimal temperature. There's optimal temperature. It'll tell you on the can of paint what are those optimal temperatures. Follow it. And the big one is, is if you're painting in the afternoon and you've got that optimal temperature, but you're going to be in the 40s overnight, that paint might not cure. And sure. if you get a dew in the morning, you can have streaks on darker colors where that dew has run down the side and the paint didn't cure. Now you're putting another coat on whether you like it or not to make it look good. It's so hard. So painting exterior, it's weather conditions are are really hard because you've got to have a couple dry days, like and really optimal temperatures. You do, no question. So that's that's a good one right there. And that's where we're talking about, and this is kind of two that we meshed into one discussion. But making sure you have those operational temperatures, you're falling off that paint to make sure that you've got it dialed in. And of course, always watch for rain because if you have, uh, if you're up there painting around the gutters and eaves and you got rain coming in two hours, probably want to hold off. Mm -hmm. So something to think about with that. Now, here's another hot subject that we need to spend a few minutes on. And my advice on this is do not paint vinyl siding. People buy a house, maybe it was. 1990s vinyl siding and it's that 1990s dusty blue on the outside that looked like it was matching the the the, the blue roosters of the 1990s right when the yellow that that yellow tone beige it's oh just yeah a too yellow yep yellow and blue so people will go man i'm gonna take that light dusty blue siding and i'm gonna paint it dark gray so maybe they even say you know i'm gonna go down and buy like at Sherwin-Williams, I'm going to buy their vinyl siding paint and paint it dark gray. So in the springtime, they go out there, they do all the prep, just like the stuff says. They paint it that dark gray. And about July or August, they walk on the side of the house, it gets the most sun, and they see the vinyl siding sitting all over the ground, curled up like a piece of plastic that got too close to the campfire. <laughs> Whoopsie. And to be honest, it's not the paint's fault. It's the vinyl siding's fault. Because they, when they make a light color vinyl siding, they know that that is going to reflect the heat. So they don't have mm. to make it. So they want it to be flexible in the winter time. So they build it for that color and that temperature. Listen to that. So here's the thing. You think about it. Vinyl siding, when it's cold, it needs to be just flexible enough so it doesn't break. You know, if it's 20 degrees outside and somebody throws a snowball and it misses, hits the house, you don't want it to punch a hole in the side of that vinyl siding. And you don't want it to expand and contract too much either because that can be its own issue. Hmm. So when you take that and thus make it a dark siding and you change colors, now it's getting so much hotter and you're beyond the flexibility range of that. The limitation of the material. Now you've changed it all. Yep. Wow. I never knew that. And the other thing with vinyl siding is, is, you know, you have those big trims on the outside that to me kind of look a little gaudy. 
But that's because vinyl siding on the side of a house can expand a half it's an gotta inch. Got to expand because, yep, 100%. So here's the problem. If you go out there and paint it when it's kind of cool in the morning or it's hot, depending on when you're doing it and the situation, when that gets cold and it shrinks up, now those overlaps are exposing the old color behind it. So if you mm-hmm. paint on a warm day and then you get into the cold weather, so everything's expanded out, so you're painting it here, and then when those laps, you can see it how they overlap and stuff. So you got to be careful mm. on that because now you can see shadow lines and gaps. I don't like vinyl siding. I have to put it out there for many reasons, and now you're just giving me another reason not to like it. And now what people are going to be tempted to do is now you're going to go pressure wash because you're going to feel like, oh, well, the only thing I can do is pressure wash it. And now you're going to push all this moisture up under the siding. And then (laughs) what happens if I wrapped you up in plastic? Would you be able to breathe? No. So if moisture gets up under that plastic siding, it loves to form mold. So if I wrapped you up in wood, could you breathe? Yes. If I wrapped you up in plastic, can you breathe? No. No. So that moisture gets shoved up under there and now you have a massive mold problem. So that's not an option either. It's, it, it, there's Don't there's be- not a lot of wins there. You're better off to to change to a siding, you know. And to be honest, there's a lot of a uh, lot of great sidings out there. When I was at Hardware Huddle, I was talking to the guys over there at uh, Hardy Plank, and you mm. can get a boatload of different colors where it's built into the siding, so you didn't have to paint it. The siding is factory finished, and you could put up the color you want. It's built into the siding, so you got a lot of years of. Can you change it, though, if you're using sure. a Hardy? Yeah, yeah you can do a different color paint with that. Just like you would any mm-hmm. other Hardy product. But you're starting out with a color that's already baked in, so you're going to get decades out of that over a paint just because it's built into the product. Nice. You're better off going that way. And then if you get tired of it later on and go, man, I need an update, you can fix that. You can paint it. Yeah. Mm. So here's our last one of our top 10 series here. This one's important. Good paint. Saves you money. Here's what why. happens with bad paint. So how do you know if you have a bad paint? So it's it's not so much that it's bad paint, but let's say you go in and buy builder grade paint from your favorite paint store. And let's say that's $35 a gallon. That is not going to cover many times like that $50, gallon, $50 a gallon premium paint. My buddy just had this happen. He went and bought the $35 a gallon paint went, I got to put another coat on it. It didn't cover. So what he did by having that, he now is paying because it does half as much coverage. You're paying $70 a gallon because you have to use twice as much. Bingo. And you've just had to spend the twice the labor to do it. So if you just bought the top shelf paint, you get better coverage, you get better durability. And if you save a coat, a coat can be another gallon or two or 10. Mm-hmm. You're way ahead. Interesting. So I always buy the better paints because my time is worth something. And if it doesn't cover, you're in trouble because now you're paying 15, 20 bucks more a gallon for that stuff when you figure that you have to buy two gallons to do the work of one. That is amazing. I've all, I mean, I've always used, um, I mean, I'm pretty much a Ben Moore or Sherman Williams 
person. I mean, I just for their low VOC paints, I like a lot of their low VOC stuff. So yeah, that's the stuff that I use a lot. Uh, you know, locally here, we've got a really good local company that's, you know, in the Northwestern States here that uh, Miller paint that I've used for years. And I really like their products. They don't pay me a dime to do it. But I tell you what, it's a it's a great paint because it's, it's a good paint. It's formulated for our area, which, you know, we've got some some harsh exterior conditions here. So I think that's a big key too, knowing what type of conditions you're facing and where you're at in the country. And that makes a big difference in, in how you paint and, and what you do. Absolutely. Caroline, I hear that music in the background. You know yeah. what that means? We've got to go. I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around, Around the, the House. House. Come on. Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.